Okay, stepmom, as we come to the end of 2022, I want to make sure that your stepmom toolbox is full of all the tips, strategies, mindset shifts, community coaching, and support that you need in order to deal with all the, well, you know what I'm talking about, all of the step family stuff. Right now, you can get access to all of my top resources and support in one. I have my course, The Kick-Ass Stepmom, Kick-Ass Life, which is basically just a framework that walks you through my process for improving relationships, feeling more confident and in control of your step family life, feeling less triggered, minimizing stress, setting boundaries, and you know, thriving amongst the extra stress. This is the framework that I and hundreds of stepmoms have used to improve our step family dynamic. And yes, it works for high conflict situations as well. Look, there is no one size fits all approach to thriving as a stepmom. And this framework walks you through how to create a plan that will work for you and your unique step family dynamic, because what works for one stepmom may not work for another. This is the process that I return to whenever my step family stress is affecting how I show up. And it is a resource that you can return to again and again as your step family life ebbs and flows. Next in this bundle, I have my ebook, 120 Ways to Be a Kick-Ass Stepmom. From dealing with the ex to in-laws to having an R's baby, being a childless stepmom, dating someone with kids, improving relationships, setting boundaries. In this ebook, you get all of my top 120 tips in one place. It's quick and it's easy to digest. You also get access to workshops on how to disengage the right way, how to improve relationships with your stepkids, how to communicate with your partner about your step family stressors without causing a big ass fight, and how to set the foundation for step family success. Plus, if you are not a member of the exclusive stepmom community, you can also get access to a six month membership where you can binge several years of interviews with experts, private podcast episodes, you can apply for free coaching calls, listen in on coaching calls with other stepmoms. It's basically like a Netflix of stepmom support. Members also can connect with me and stepmoms from over 30 countries around the world in the private forum. And you also get an invite to my office hours where you can connect with me face to face. Like I said, it is all my resources bundled in one. You can just go through, pick what's right for you. And basically when you get this bundle, you will have the stepmom support that you need in your library when you need it. Now this is available for a limited time for only 229 bucks. So you are saving hundreds of dollars in coaching and support by taking advantage of this. Set yourself up for stepmom success in 2023 and get all these resources in your library. You go to jamiescrimger.com forward slash everything to get, well, everything. Give this to yourself and your family this holiday. I promise that if you dive into these resources, you'll see change that will trickle into the vibe of your home, your relationships, and how you see your step family stress. www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash everything to get it all. Hey there, it's Jamie Scrimger here, and you're listening to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. I'm a wife, a mom, a stepmom, a coach, a conversation opener, and a BS caller. Eight years ago, I found myself sitting on the bathroom floor, bawling my eyes out, wondering what the heck I was thinking, marrying a man with three kids and an ex-wife. Look, don't get me wrong. I was madly in love. The kids were great. But being a stepmom is, well, it's just complicated. If you know, you know. 
As a 26-year-old with zero experience in the parenting department, I went to the internet for support. But I was disappointed with what I found. So I decided to create the type of support I was looking for. Raw, real, solution-focused conversations about all things motherhood, stepmotherhood, and living a kick-ass life. Life can be hard, really freaking hard. But it's entirely possible to thrive amongst the tough stuff. Each week, I will bring you tips and strategies and mindset shifts to inspire you to live your own version of a kick-ass life. We'll bring you along as I create my own. Let's do this. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom Podcast. Guys, this episode is pure fire. I'm talking to divorce recovery coach, Coach Frank. I stumbled across his short, vulnerable, impactful videos about divorce and moving on from divorce on TikTok. Sidebar, as much as I've tried to resist it, I think I really do need to do this TikTok thing, but oh man. Anyway, he specializes in working with and supporting men and processing their pain post-divorce. And he started doing this after his own struggles in dealing with his own divorce, which we talk about in this episode. He shares why women don't really know how to talk to men, what man up really means and what men need to hear. We talk about healthy relationships and high conflict co-parenting relationships. He asks me some questions about Darren and I's relationship. We dive into processing trauma and pain from divorce and why men push down their feelings before moving on to the next relationship, which can be very damaging. If you ask me, Frank is a boss. He is a preacher. He's opening up some really important conversations about men in our society and the world needs to hear his message. And I'm grateful that he came on the show. You can find him on Instagram and TikTok at Divorce Recovery Coach. You're going to love this one. Let's dive in. All right. So Coach Frank, welcome to the Kick-Ass Stepmom podcast. How's it going? It's going awesome. That's such a sick name for a podcast too, by the way. I know. You know, I still struggle with it sometimes because I was like... Is it that people think I think I'm like kick ass and I'm awesome? But it really came from, I was like, what do I want for my community, right? Like, what's my goal here? And I, I just want to inspire people to live a kick ass life. Yeah. And kick ass stepmom, kick ass life was just too long. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And I mean, I think it's okay to admit if you are a kick ass stepmom, right? Like, what's the harm in that? Yeah, that's very, very true, right? It's just such a weird space, right? Like, you know how it is talking about divorce and separation and co-parenting online. I don't know. I sometimes feel weird about it, even still. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. A lot of people think that what we do is easy, but they don't realize everything that really goes into it and the self-doubt that you kind of have to overcome and that self just like, what if somebody says this or my stuff's going to be out there? And like I said, I am an open book. I don't know if you've watched any of my content, but most of my mm -hmm. content, especially the long format stuff, I get into stuff from my life, like detailed stuff. And I'm like, that's going to be out there for people to criticize and judge me on. And trust me, I get a lot of those messages and a lot of those comments. But at the end of the day, I just choose to focus on the people that it's actually serving, right? And I don't think people realize that, you know, when you start opening up about stuff, real stuff, uncomfortable stuff. There's some people that get triggered, obviously. Mm -hmm. Cancel culture right now is huge. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird dynamic that we kind of have to like maneuver. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You know, the other day I did post something and then I second guessed myself on it. And I was like, no, no, no. When you second guess yourself, that's when like it's the good stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And I went through the whole day 
And then I was like, I got to take that shit down. <laughs> so I ended up <laughs> deleting it. I, I was just like, cause it was ruining my day. Right. I was so worried, but you know, I do think people need to understand like, this isn't just, we don't care. We're just like saying, you know, there's a purpose. Mm-hmm. There's a purpose behind this is because no one talks about this stuff. Even still, it's still such this taboo subject, despite the number of divorces, which I think is so, so strange. Yeah, it's so dumb. And I come from like the Christian background, the Christian world, the church world, the ministry world. And I get a lot of people who actually salute me on what I do because they're like, we need more of that in the church, but it's not happening. Like the one place that I feel like we should be talking about it more to help people more, right? Mm -hmm. If we really are a hospital for broken people to come and get better, then we got to talk about the stuff that's actually happening, right? And I think we shy away from that a little bit as Christians, right? Mm -hmm. But I don't. (laughs) I go straight into it because I'm like, this is what people need. People need real at the end of the day, or else they can't jive with you. They can't connect with you. Yeah, for sure. Now, speaking of real, why don't you give us the lowdown on your story and how you started doing this and why? Because I was just saying this in another podcast, we typically teach what we need. And I'm guessing it came from you know, struggles in your own situation. Yeah, it did. So I got divorced, not by choice. It was her choice, right? I was not a saint in the marriage. I'll be the first one to admit that, right? And It was just really tough for me. It was really tough for me. I mean, as you can see, like I have a tattoo, a ring finger. So I wasn't planning on ever getting divorced. It was kind of like my thing. I just didn't want to get divorced, right? It was my belief. And when it happened, it felt like everything came crashing down at one time like everything at one time. I ended up losing my business because of it, not because she tried taking it, but because I was so emotionally jacked up that I could no longer show up for the business. And I can't help but to think that God had a little bit to do with it also on stripping that away, not the marriage, but the business, right? My life started falling apart and anyone who's been through divorce knows this, but like, it just feels like everything is crumbling at one moment because this life that you've created and I don't know. Have you been through a divorce? I have not. Okay. So anyone who's been through a divorce, they'll be the first one to say like, I laid my life down for that person. And what's crazy is both people say this, both people, the person that left and the person that got left. But then why doesn't the other one feel like they actually laid their life down for them? Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird to start thinking about, right? There's some stuff that I end up covering, but I felt that I had done that. I felt that I had given up on passions. I felt that I had given up on dreams just to be able to serve her and the family, right? Now, I didn't do things perfectly, obviously. That's why I ended up in divorce because had I been perfect, maybe things would have been different, right? But there is no perfect beings. There's learning beings. And so... I messed up, everything started crumbling, and I got pretty suicidal, got pretty depressed, and I just remember not even being able to like get up and brush my teeth. Like that was the first thing I started doing to like really break depression was I'm gonna get up and I'm brush my teeth and I'm gonna go back into the bed, right? And so I started doing that. And then after that, I went into like these 1% efforts to start getting myself out of it. And then I invested into, you know, therapy when I didn't really have the money to do it anymore because I had run through all my money um, because again, depressed. So really just eating, drinking and laying in bed is what was happening. And I just remember being in such a dark place and then finally being able to come out of it And whenever I came out of it, I started talking to people and helping people that were kind of going through what I had gone through. And I remember I didn't really have a job. I was just running social media for some people, kind of freelancing, doing things like that. One of my buddies comes up to me and he just says, hey, bro, have you ever thought about helping men overcome the very thing that you went through? 
And I was like, well, I mean, I'm kind of doing that already. You know, I'm helping people at church and stuff like that and talking about it. And he was like, no, I'm talking about like coaching, like actually coaching people through it, like make it a business where you get these people. And so I was like, no, I never thought about it. So I started thinking about it more. And I remember just having this thing inside of me where I didn't want men to experience what I went through because I felt like you didn't have to experience that. Like it didn't have to get to that level, right? And sometimes we think that it has to. So we allow ourselves to get to that place until we finally make the decision. But once I started understanding what actually was happening to me, I was like, people need to know. And I start off with men. Men need to know, I need you to know why you're suffering so much and that there is an answer to it. And there is a way to start turning it around fast. You don't have to sit in it for six months. You don't have to sit in it for a year. You can actually move on pretty quickly if you know what the hell is happening because then we can begin to address it. And so I had this thing in me where I was already helping men at church because I didn't want them to go through the same thing. And I had that same desperation. I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm going to go for it. I'm just going to try and help people. So I posted on TikTok two videos. Next thing you know, my calendar got booked for like three weeks on just calls, calls and calls and calls. And it was just men, just men, men reaching out for help. And everyone says like, men don't want help, all this stuff. It's BS. You just don't know how to talk to a man. Mm -hmm. uh, that's really all it is. You don't know how to actually connect with a man. That's why when there's like women telling men or women and telling women on this is how you need to talk to the man. It's like, how about you go ask a man? <laughs> ask a man how you're supposed to talk to a man. And he'll tell you so you can actually connect with him, right? Because I was on a radio show in New York and this lady, she was saying how she was like, I've never been able to help men because they're so prideful and this and that. And it just seems like they don't want help. And I was just like, well, with all due respect, it's because you don't know how to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And so they cannot connect with you. You cannot just tell a man to man up. That terminology has been used as a tool to actually like inflict pain on men instead of bringing them up, right? What the hell does man up mean? We got to define that. Manning up means being vulnerable. Manning up means actually allowing yourself to experience what you're experiencing and validating those feelings while also taking action to overcome it. That's what manning up means. So when I tell a man to man up, I actually tell him, give yourself the space to cry. Give yourself the opportunity to experience the sadness that you're experiencing, but don't just experience it and sit in it. Figure out what's creating it. And I walk them through that. And then we can start to overcome it, right? And so I had this deep desire to give that to people. And that's really what started happening. I've always been about serving people. I remember ever since I was 16, I was leading small groups at church because I wanted to serve the youth, mm -hmm. right? And then I did that for years and years and years and years. And now I'm still leading small groups. It's just for people that have gone through divorce. I love it. So many things I want to unpack there. So you, just before we dive into all of that, you have a daughter? Yeah. I got a 10-year-old little girl. Her name's Tatiana, but I call her the goose. Why? It's just been always your thing? <laughs> because when she was little, you know, she'd uh, start getting like a little silly. And so, you know, you always say like, oh, that's a silly goose, right? Uh -huh. But I took it to the next level. So whenever she was angry, I was like, oh, you're an angry goose. And whenever she didn't want to take a bath, I'd be like, baby, but you're a stinky goose. Like we need to get you to be a clean goose, right? And so it's just this and that and everything. And then eventually it's just the goose. Yeah, you are such a dad. That is such a dad thing, right? You guys always have the <laughs> nicknames. My daughter, we called her Reese Bear for so long. And then we just started calling her Bear. And she's eight now and she's like, 
I'm not the bear anymore. Like you need to stop calling me bear. <laughs> so yeah, that's so precious. But at the same time, you're like, no, don't take that away from me. <laughs> yeah, you will always be the bear. So, what's your access schedule or custody schedule with your daughter then? Like, how does that work? So, I get her on Tuesday after school till 8 p.m. And then I get her on Thursday after school till 8 p.m. That's the weeks that I don't have her on the weekend. When I do have her on the weekend, I only get her Tuesday. And then I pick her up Friday after school and I drop her off at school on Monday. Gotcha. And that's something that I had to kind of like negotiate to be able to get that kind of schedule. And I also do have the freedom to FaceTime her the Thursdays that I don't have her. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to get her on the weekend. I have like one FaceTime that I can do with her that's documented on paper. You can't take that away from me just because you feel like it. I get one FaceTime with her whenever I don't have her on the weekends or whenever I don't have her that Thursday. So gotcha. It's so interesting to me because it was just not our situation that the calls are put into the agreements, Mm -hmm. right? Like that's not in our situation. Like that's not in our separation agreement or whatever it is. They can just kind of call whenever they want. It's like reasonable access. Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting that that's a bone of contention for so many people in co-parenting situations. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's people that are hurt is all it is because both ends, the person that left and the person that got left, both of them are losing control is really what's happening. Our lives are spiraling. And that's why you see toxicity, right? Stupid terminology for their hurt. If you really look at it, it's their hurt. And they're looking for some sense of control. And so they feel that if I can control this, I gain some sort of power so I can justify me leaving and everything kind of spiraling, right? And now I can kind of like feel a little bit better about it. That's usually what ends up happening. And so I knew that that's what I was dealing with, that if it wasn't on the papers, it was like a no-go. Everything that I said, it was like, well, that's not on the papers. Mm -hmm. So then I just remember being like, okay, you know what? Screw this. I could get frustrated that she's so unreasonable, but that's not going to serve me in any way. It's not going to serve my little girl in any way. So I'm going to focus on what I can control and I'm going to put that in papers then. If you want to go by papers, I'm cool with that. I'll go by papers, but I will make amendments if I see fit. I will fight for those amendments so that they're on paper. And now I don't really have to deal with you because now I'm using your own strategy with you and with me, it's on paper. So for some people, like they just get stuck in these cycles, man, of like frustration and bitterness. Like she this, she that, he this, he won't. And I'm like, well, what can you control? Take them to court, put an amendment in there, put it on the paperwork. Well, yeah, but now you're just making excuses for yourself. If you're in the same place in six months, it's not their fault. It's your fault because you didn't take action. You didn't focus on what you could do. And so for me, it was like, not a lot of people have it on paper, but I have to have it on paper because that's my situation and that's what I want. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, 100%. You got to have everything written down. I remember we went back to have things reevaluated at one point and my husband said, he's like, what do you think we need to make sure we include? I was like, everything. So I said, thought back to anything that had become a conflict over the last you know year or two yes. and then created a solution in the paperwork so that it was just there. And I think what people don't understand, because they'll be like, oh, I just want to be able to be flexible. Well, that works really, really well until it doesn't. Yes. If you both agree, then you can make a change, right? But if you have conflict and you don't know what's what and you have different opinions, then it's on paper. Exactly. If you catch the other parent having a bad day, maybe something you didn't even have anything to do with, they're just stressed out from work and this and that, like your emotional state controls your actions. So just because they're in a pissed off mood, then they're going to respond differently. So now how flexible are we? Mm -hmm. Right now? It's not as flexible. Now it's like, oh, okay. 
We're flexible if you're happy. <laughs> so now it, it starts to become manipulation. If you keep me happy, we can work together. But if I'm not happy, F you, right? Yeah. And it's just too much of a slippery slope. We got to have some absolutes. We got to lay down a good foundation. Yeah, that is so funny and so true. I'm going to interrupt this episode really quickly to give you the inside scoop on brands and resources that I'm loving who also help support the show. We're coming into the holiday season, and if you are looking for gifts for someone you love or for something to put on your own list, you have to check out Cozy Earth. Their bamboo sheets, bedding, their pajamas, loungewear, they are the most comfortable material I have ever experienced. Made from ethically sourced viscose from bamboo, the material is just, well, it's something you have to experience yourself. There is a reason why Cozy Earth was featured on Oprah's Favorite Things for four years in a row. The bedding is naturally breathable and temperature regulating, and the PJs are ultra soft. Sleep and relaxation are a huge priority for me, and I think they should be a priority for everyone. It's just so important for our well-being. Cozy Earth will help you take your sleep and relaxation to the next level. So here's what's on my list from Cozy Earth this season. The women's long sleeve bamboo pajamas and the bamboo ultra soft wide leg pant. I already have two sets of joggers and the bamboo sheets and duvet cover have literally changed my life. I love getting into bed every night. As always, I have a code for you guys to save you 40% off anything from Cozy Earth. You just have to use the code COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off. That's CozyEarth.com and use the code COZYJAMIE40 for 40% off. So I want to go back. All the women are like, okay, Frank, how do we talk to the men? You talk to them as humans. <laughs> That's how you talk to them. Do we not? I'm sorry. Some women do, some women don't. Let me elaborate, okay? <laughs> and vice versa. Some men, same thing to women, right? For a man, the message is always to man up. The man is always in the wrong, is usually how it goes, right? Like, he should have loved me more, he should have cared more, he should have provided, and he should have been emotionally supportive, and he should have been more available, and he should have been passionate, and he should have been in shape, and he should be healthy, right? All these demands that a man naturally carries, right? Mm -hmm. Which women carry a whole other set and some of those as well, right? And so whenever people are talking to men that are going through a hard time, it's like, bro, you just gotta pick yourself up and go. like. You don't have time to feel the way that you're feeling. You can't be stressed out. You can't be sad. You can't deal with depression. Why? Because you're a provider and a protector. So you have to provide and protect. And there is truth to that. But there also has to be this sense of, bro, I see where you're at, dog. I see where you're at. And it's okay that you're feeling what you're feeling. But what's not okay is to stay there. So whenever I talk, it's like, I'm sure you've seen some of my reels. I talk with actual genuine emotion in videos, and then I address what I used to feel because I know that's what they're feeling. So then men are like, I can talk to this guy because this guy isn't gonna tell me to shut up and just move on. Mm -hmm. This dude's actually gonna listen to what I'm going through, and then he's gonna give me some valuable and practical solutions to move forward. Whereas before, it's like, dude, it's not a big deal. Just get over it. Just get over it. Just get over it. Just get over it. Right. And I think that's how we need to talk to men. We need to talk to them the same way that we talk to women. Men want to be seen and heard too. Right. And I think they get overlooked by that because 
we're expecting, and this isn't just for men. Like, like I want to be clear. This is on both ends, on both ends. I deal the same with my men as the way that I deal with the women. Like all of my clients, they get the same coach, Frank, the same exact coach, Frank, and the same exact like philosophy is what we work off of, right? So if you want to be seen and heard, why don't you focus on seeing and hearing people? Because when you begin to give that, you open up the door to actually receive it. Mm -hmm. But if you just want to be seen and heard, now I'm, now I'm a taker. Now I'm operating out of selfishness and nothing good ever comes of that. And then that slides into pride where now it's like, well, now I don't want to love and respect you because I don't feel loved and respected. So I'm not going to give it until I get it. And we just firm down into that foundation. And now there's just issue after issue because now both sides are just prideful, arrogant, and they just don't want to compromise because my ego gets in the way. And I think if we can start talking to each other as humans, not as you should this, you should, no, 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 shut your mouth and focus on yourself. The Bible says it. Don't try and pluck the like needle out of somebody else's eye when you got a log in your own. Like focus on you, work on you. How can I show up differently? What am I doing to possibly cause this person to be disrespectful towards me? Am, am I showing up accurately? Am I showing up loving? Am I showing up respectfully? And then begin to make those changes, right? And then usually that creates a ripple effect. And if it doesn't create a ripple effect, then you can actually say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I showed up vulnerable, I showed up loving, I showed up respectful, and that person still didn't reciprocate it. And now you don't leave bitter, pissed off, and hurt. You leave free because you know that you gave your all. And so I think the way that we talk to a man is the way that you expect to be talked to, right? Because we're all humans. Yeah. Wow. Do you think that men push all of this stuff down? Like, you know, because men typically move on after divorce quicker than women. False. That's not true? It's false. Are you sure? I've worked with hundreds of men and women. Guess who my longest lasting clients are? Men. Do they move on like from marriages though? What do you mean? Like when I'm saying move on, so like after divorce, typically men will move on to another relationship quicker than women. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they moved on. Right. That's what I mean. So that's what I'm saying. Do you think that these men who've moved on into this new relationship are just carrying all of the baggage and all of the hurt and all of that and just like pushing it down because it wasn't safe to be how they were feeling? Yeah, absolutely. And you see women do it the same way. That's why I'm saying it's a human issue because the reason why that happens so much is because when a man commits to like someone, they're like literally committing to like laying their life down. That's why they work a job that they hate. That's why they do things that they don't want to do just to keep their person happy, right? That's why it's so stupid that we do this, but instead of having a conversation that might lead to conflict, we would rather hush up to keep the peace because we've been taught this whole happy wife, happy life, and it's BS. It's BS. <laughs> There's men trying to keep the wife happy and they're losing themselves. So now they become resentful and they become bitter. And it happens on the other side as well, right? And so because you're trying to keep the other person happy, you're actually going against your own needs and your own wants and your own values. And we get this thing where like relationships are a place for us to be happy. Yes and no. It's not a place to be peaceful. Relationships are a place for growth. But conflict triggers growth. Like in parenting, you're not just going to try and keep the peace or else your kid grows up to be a little jerk <laughs> and they think that everything revolves around them. So you got to bring in conflict so that they can grow into the human that they need to be. So as men, 
Normally what ends up happening is they play the nice guy role. That's what we do because we want to keep the peace because again, we're willing to sacrifice our own thing to make sure that happy wife, happy life because that's what we've been taught, right? And so then whenever they do that for somebody and then that person leaves, they're left with this belief of clearly I'm not enough, dude. I gave up all these things that she might've never asked you to give up. So you gave it up in hopes that she would recognize it so you were manipulating technically. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So you gave all that up and so now you feel like you're not enough. So then the next person that you meet, there's already a wall up. That's why we've gotta be able to heal through these things. Because now there's a wall up because if I couldn't trust this person that I was so committed to and they were supposedly committed to me for so long, then how can I trust you with my stuff? How can I trust you? So now we got men and women that are running around with this mask, with this facade of who they really aren't. They're not who God designed them to be anymore. They're who pain designed them to be. They're who bitterness designed them to be. They're who resentment designed them to be. Now I'm not getting the real you. Mm -hmm. Now I'm getting the protective you that is setting healthy boundaries, which is really, I'm just blocking people out of my life because we don't know how to set boundaries in a healthy manner that leads to intimacy and leads to connection. We really just set boundaries where I don't like that you did that, so I'm shutting you off now. Mm -hmm. And that comes from a place of brokenness. That comes from a place of pain. And so until we learn to actually process the pain and uproot that stuff and change the model of how we receive love, we'll never be happy. We'll never be fulfilled. We're just gonna be chasing the next great thing, the next thing that makes me feel good. Because at one point you felt like he was the one, so what happened? Mm -hmm. If you're basing everything off of feelings, at one point you felt he was the one, at one point he made you happy, but then your feelings change and now it's different. So what happens when you meet a dude at the club and you're like, this dude is really good. I really like this guy, he makes me feel good. What happens in two years when he doesn't make you feel good anymore? You're basing everything off of feelings now. You see what I'm saying? So that's why we've got to learn what is an emotion? What creates an emotion? Do I have power over my emotions? Can I create the emotion that I want to create on demand? And yes, we can, but we were never taught that. Mm -hmm. And I think as women, we often don't give our partners, and obviously talking like a heterosexual relationship right now, the space to struggle and the space to be hurting. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I'm making a generalization, but, you know, I even know in my marriage, there was a time a couple months ago when all of a sudden my husband came out and told me how much he'd been struggling with a bunch of stuff going on. Wow. And I had no idea just in life and work and all the things. Right. And I had no idea. And we talk all the time and it was interesting. I said to him, I said, I'm just upset. You didn't tell me, yeah. right? Like I'm here to support you just like you support me and we're doing life together. And he said, I just want to protect you. I don't want you to feel these things. Like my, I feel like my job is to protect you, Yeah. which again goes back to that whole like man up thing, right? Just like the messages that men receive about hmm. struggling and feeling weak and being vulnerable and all of that. Yeah. That's beautiful. It's powerful. Honestly, Jamie, I think that's so beautiful that you got to experience that in your marriage and that you responded in that way, you know? Yeah. Because Something that I know personally, speaking from my own experience and speaking from clients' experience, is a man wants that. They want somebody that they can come to and not be an emotional tampon, right? Mm -hmm. Like, because that's never good and not be my therapist. But I, I want to be able to tell you what's going on. I want to be able to break down. And whenever a man feels heard and not looked down on for doing that, 
it actually makes them want to work even harder for that person. Mm-hmm. It actually puts this thing in you of like, oh, I'm definitely going to take care of her. I'm going to give her, her the life of her dreams, right? I'm going to do whatever I can to go above and beyond for her. Why? Because I finally feel like I'm safe with this person. It's okay to bleed in front of you. But if I can't bleed in front of you, I can't lead you. There's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way. We're growing apart now. Now it's not reciprocal now. It's not a relationship anymore, right? But I think something that's key for men, and I hope any men that are listening to this, they take this, it's okay to break down and it's okay to talk about what's going on. But as a man, you have to end it on a positive note. You have to end it on, this is what I'm going to try and do though, right? Because I don't care what anybody says. If a man is just constantly crying to you about what's wrong, but they're not taking any action to fix it, whether it's a man or whether it's a woman, it's frustrating as hell. Yeah. It's so frustrating. I've tried helping out so many people, and this is why I charge people money, (laughs) because the people that I tried helping for free, they want help, quote unquote, but they don't do anything to actually help themselves. They don't practice the help, the solutions. And so for a man, if you're struggling, be open about it. And then as soon as you get all that out, then talk about the potential solutions. But don't worry, baby, like, I'm going to work on this and I'm going to do this. And I feel like God's telling me that if I go in this direction. And now as a man, you're actually providing not just vulnerability for your woman, but you're actually also providing certainty and security. And you're showing her that I am strong enough to get us through any battle that we go through. I might cry and weep for a little while but I will stand up again and I will conquer whatever comes our way. And that's the kind of person that a woman wants to be with. Mm -hmm. Just like a man wants a woman that's pretty similar as well. Yeah. I think that's the big thing, right? In relationships, especially when you're saying a step family or co-parenting, like it gets hairy, right? There's a lot of extra stress. There's a lot of stuff that can go wrong. You've got, you know, legal bills, you've got just, there's a lot. And having that faith that the two of you are going to figure it out Yeah. That's invaluable in a marriage, right? And to get to that point where you have confidence in each other, it's like, okay, this is like real bad right now. And, you know, we're feeling all the feelings, but having just that faith that, okay, we're going to figure this out. Like no matter what, what's our worst case scenario? Okay. This is what we're going to do. We're going to be okay. So good. Right. And doing that collaboratively, I think is so important, but to get to that point, you really do have to be open and you can't hide your feelings about what's going on. And I think, especially in step families, right? Like dads do that. They try to, you know, protect their partner or try to avoid conflict with their partner, try to just Mm -hmm. kind of like put things underneath the rug. And then you have the stepmoms who don't feel like they can say how they're feeling. They don't feel like they're showing up the right way or they're appreciated, but they're expecting their partner to understand how they feel without communicating. Right. And I don't know if you've noticed, but like men aren't mind readers, right? You know, I think women (laughs) are more like intuitive, like to read the room. Women are more mind readers. Yeah. You know, we're freaking amazing. (laughs) Like we know how someone's feeling when they walk in the room. Y'all are so gifted. But like a man just does not have that ability. It's just, it's just the different gifts. Yes, exactly. And I think it's so beautiful what you were saying because that's operating as a team and a marriage is a team. A relationship is a team. It's not 1v1. It's two versus the world, right? Is that That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we lose it sometimes. It's like we make things about us and then now it becomes 1v1. Now we're against each other, not working together towards a solution. And that's incredible. So if you don't mind me asking, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. How are you and your husband able to kind of get into the dynamic where we're working as this a team, especially you as a stepmom, right? Because 
there's so many people that think like, well, if you're the step parent, then you're not really the parent. So I'm going to handle this. And then you don't really have a say in it, which I think that's baloney. That's not the culture I want for my family. Mm -hmm. And I love that that's not the culture that you guys have in y'all's family. So how did you guys get to the place where he was able to like, because he had to start trusting you. Mm -hmm. Like there had to be a foundation of trust and there had to be a foundation of willingness on your end to say, I actually want to take on this with you. Mm -hmm. So how did y'all get there? You know, I wish I could tell you we did all of these like strategies and worked through a bunch of stuff. But from the very beginning, you know, Darren and I were on our third date and I was like, I'm going to marry him. I hadn't met the kids. I just had decided, like, you know, I just loved him. Right. And I just knew he always just felt like home to me. And then everything else on top of that was just like, whatever. Right. I just know. And to this day, like Darren feels like home. That's just like the way it is. But I think we really went into things as a partnership from the very beginning. So like, what are our goals as a family or as partners together? You know, we have this thing in our office and we wrote it on our honeymoon, just our goals for our marriage. And it was like where we want to travel, like how we want to feel, what we want to do. And we still have it. I forgot about it until I found it a little while ago. But so we've always been very goal oriented. So we can just sit up and talk about like, what do you want for your life? And it's interesting. We balance each other out because... I'm very like into manifestation and I just believe everything's going to work itself out. And, you know, I make big goals and they, they typically happen and he's more logical. Yeah. He's in finance and numbers and, and he's like, how are you paying for that? Or like, how is that going to happen? Or, you know, you're too hocus pocus about things. So we kind of balance each other out. Yeah. So when I'm like, this isn't going to work out, I'm feeling overwhelmed and frustrated. He kind of comes in with that different perspective and vice versa. That's so good. But the other thing is, is like, we fight, like we will have arguments and, you know, Darren always says, he's like, I know if you're pissed off at me in about three seconds, like I can just tell. Yeah. And he's the same way. So we both wear our hearts on our sleeves. So we can bounce back from that too. So we could just get into an argument. And then like five minutes later, I'm like, Hey, you want to watch Dateline? And he's like, yeah. yeah. Right. And so we move on yeah. from conflicts too. Like, it's like you're saying, you can't pack up and stay there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how it is, but we always have our goals and they're for our family. And I think that's just both of our values. We have very similar values with what we want our family to be. And it all comes back to that. That's so beautiful. And it's crazy now. Like the kids are older. Yeah. Right. You know, my stepdaughter's 19. My stepson, oh, my stepdaughter's 20 now. My stepson's 18. We have a 15 year old. And then our daughter's eight. So we're at like the next level. Like, what do we want for our family as we go into like these kids becoming adults? Yeah. And what does that look like? Right. So it's fun. That's so beautiful. That's so beautiful because you guys made the main thing, the main thing from the beginning, like your Mm -hmm. goals and your values and the vision and made sure you, that you were in alignment. That's powerful, man. I love that. That's so beautiful. You guys have such a beautiful relationship. I can even just tell by the way you speak of him, that you have a high level of respect for him. And that was earned by him, by the way that he shows up. Mm -hmm. I can tell that he's leading y'all well and you're leading y'all well as well, which is incredible. Thank you. Yeah. I always say I don't want to fight about the air conditioning temperature with anyone else. (laughs) Like, you know, those like little annoyances, like in your marriage, right? The things that your partner does over and over again that drive you freaking nuts. Yeah. You know, you have to move past those. Like, does it really, really matter? Mm -hmm. Right. And that can be hard. Yeah, that's true. That is true. I remember my pastor told me, he was like, whenever you find someone to marry, he was like, make sure that you focus on this specific question. He was like, am I willing to fight with this person for the rest of my life? Mm -hmm. Not just fight with them arm in arm, 
but fight with them. Like you just said, there's nobody that I'd rather fight with about the AC than him. Mm -hmm. And that's so beautiful. Yeah. I'm always like, do not touch it. Like not 0.5. Cause I'm like, I need to sleep cold and I can tell. I said, don't touch it. And so he's always sneaking cause he's always freezing in our house. <laughs> But yeah, so one thing I really wanted to dive into with you is, is talking about the high conflict co-parenting relationships. I know that's something you dive into a lot in your content. Mm -hmm. So how do you coach the men that you work with in dealing with this? Because again, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of frustration involved. And you know, when you're fighting over winter coats or child support or all the things, it's actually not about that. It's about everything else. Yeah. Yeah. All problems are emotional in relationships, even in co-parenting. Every single problem is emotional. Mm -hmm. That's it. And so the biggest thing that I tell my men, and this is an illustration that I like to use with my men. I'm still trying to find a better one for the women because it doesn't really fit and you'll see why. But I tell my men, I'm like, if you go to your ex and she kicks you in the balls, and then next week you go to your ex and she kicks you in the balls again, the third time that she does it, is it really her fault? They're like, no. Like, why? Well, I should have known that she was going to kick me in the balls. Like, exactly. And then you just stay a little bit further away. And if you're real strategic, you wear a cup, right? So now, if she happens to land it, she hits the cup. So it's all about preparation, yeah. right? I'm going to have to interrupt you for one second. You are going to lose it right now. I literally give stepmoms a very, very similar example, but I use it about a kid getting beaten up on a playground and what they would tell their kids. That's awesome. <laughs> Like when you just said, I was like, oh my gosh, we are like the same. So yeah, I, I love that analogy, right? Like how many times can you put yourself in the same situation before you have to take responsibility for being in that same situation again? Exactly, exactly. And so many people like, I get a little annoyed, not really, but a little bit because people are like, I just love your inspirational talks. And I love how a positive you are on like the way that you think. And I'm like, I'm not a positive thinker and I'm not an inspirational speaker. I'm a strategist is what I am. So I'm not asking men just to think positively, bro. Think positively and she won't kick you in the balls. No, think of a strategy of an actionable strategy that creates results in your life, that creates peace in your life, that creates more joy, that creates more happiness, that creates whatever it is that you want to create in your life. Think strategically. So if you want peace, how can you create your own peace? Because if you're waiting for her to give it to you, you're going to be waiting a long time. And so I always get their focus, right? Like we are what we focus on at the end of the day. I say this to people all the time. We are not who God designed us to be. I wish we were, but we're not. We are the stories that we believe in our head about ourselves. That is it. So that's why I tell them, I'm like, that's why you got to read the Bible. Faith comes by hearing of the word of God. So you got to believe his story about you so you can actually walk that story out, right? The story of greatness, being more than a conqueror, being the head and not the tail, being above and not beneath, having an abundant life. Like you've got to believe it, the story, right? And so they have a story that she's causing this. <laughs> she's making me this. She is, the, blah, blah, blah. that's the story in their head. So now there is no chance of freedom as long as that story keeps going because it's on her. If she's causing it, then she has to cause the peace too. So I get them to change their focus onto, okay, what can I control? And the amount of men that I've helped that didn't get to see their kids as much, didn't get to spend that much time with their kids, weren't present, and, and women as well, if I'm being honest, that as soon as I got them to focus on a coaching call on what can you control, and I just ask them that question, and then I let the greatest gift that God ever gave us do the work, their brain. 
I ask them a good question. What can you control in this? Well, I mean, I, I could this, I could this. Next thing you know, in five minutes, we have a strategy. Like, that's what you're going to focus on. Oh, she is saying no to this, this, and that. What can you do? Well, I can take this step or this step or this step. Perfect. Take it. There you go. You got an actionable step now, right? Like this one guy, he was just so all over the place because when she would come and drop off the kids at the house, she would walk into the house. And then one time they started sleeping together. So it caused him so much confusion and he just wants peace and certainty and clarity. So I was like, how can you create that? He was like, well, I think I could have her meet me in a public place. Beautiful. There you go. Look at how simple your solution was. But because our focus is on what I can't control, we spiral and we feel disempowered and we get ourselves stuck. But as soon as we change to what can I control? And then I take it to the next level. How do you want to show up, bro? What kind of co-parenting relationship do you want? I ask them that question and then they start talking about it. I'm like, how are you being that? Are you being that? Or are you waiting for her to be that for you to be that? Usually they're waiting for that person to be that for them to show up as that person. And that's where we start taking massive action to start turning it around. And I told them before, I said, my co-parenting relationship is extremely peaceful. Now, my ex's co-parenting relationship, I can't speak for her experience. She can control that. But on my end, I have a very peaceful co-parenting relationship. Mm -hmm. I love my co-parenting relationship. It is what I want it to be. Why? Because I respect her because I honor her. I send her random messages telling her how I'm grateful that she is the mother of my child and I see how much she's trying and I appreciate it. Do I ever get one in return? No. Do I expect it? No, because I don't like getting kicked in the balls. So I prepare myself for it and I give willingly because I would like to be in a co-parenting relationship where we're giving willingly. But how can I expect that if I never first give it? Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? So I get them to do that and then as soon as they start taking those steps, first of all, pride starts to die because you got to go against your pride to do some of these things. Your ego starts to go away. You start realizing I have a lot more control than I thought I did. And now it doesn't really matter what they do. You're experiencing it on your terms, period. And I've actually had situations where the other co-parent then starts reciprocating it because now they open the door to actually invite that in, right? Some other situations, doesn't get reciprocated. Some other situations, they actually like are very understanding. So it changes the dynamic a little bit. It just depends, but you get to experience it on your terms. So focus on what you can control and focus on how you want to show up and do that. And that is it with no expectations, no strings attached. No, I'm going to scratch your back. If you scratch my back, no, that's transactional. If you live a transactionable life, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be let down a lot. So stop living a transactional life and show up and focus on what you can do. So that's kind of the main premise around co-parenting that I really help coach people in. Yeah, it really is simpler than we make it out to be, right? Because you get so caught up in what everyone else is doing, yeah. how everyone else is reacting and what they should do, how they should be. Yeah. And yeah, it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. You can just hear the passion in your voice for what you do. And I'm just really grateful for the men, right? Because I get messages all the time from stepmoms being like, is there anyone for men who are struggling? And I couldn't find anyone. And it's just recently that I discovered you and someone else. And I was like, wow, you know, there's more resources popping up. So 
kudos to you. Thank you so much. I genuinely appreciate that. And thank you for what you do. It's such a really cool community that you're building up. And I think it's very needed, especially with as much stuff that's going on. And to be able to see and just kind of like sense the type of marriage that you and your husband have, the type of relationship, the type of like team aspect that you guys carry. It's such a blessing. And I hope that it shows and inspires men and women out there that that is still available for them and that can still be created, but it's created. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just happen by chance. Um, it's a, it's about being intentional. Yeah. And they'll still piss you off. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's okay too, though. Right? I never want people to think it's like all freaking perfect, right? The guy drives me nuts, but I freaking love him. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So thank you so much. I really appreciate everything you're doing for anybody who's willing to like serve other humans. I love to connect with them because that's when we're really doing what we were called to do on this earth. So mm -hmm. I love everything that you're doing. I love it. All right. Well, I'm going to link your TikTok, your Instagram, your website, all the things and send everything everyone your way. Thank you for taking the time. Thank you for having me. That's it for this one. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, share it with someone who you think it would resonate with. And if you haven't already, if you could take a couple minutes, head to iTunes and give this podcast a rating and a review, it would mean the world to me. But only if you like the episode though. If you don't, that's cool. Just remember what they say. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. Now, if you are a stepmom craving more, I highly recommend joining my membership, the exclusive stepmom community. Members get access to additional podcast episodes, interviews and coaching sessions and live Q and A's and just exclusive next level content and conversation that I don't share anywhere else. Have an issue or a stressor that you'd like my support with? Just bring it to the Ask Jamie section of the forum. I check in throughout the week and I'm here to help you out. To get more information or to join, head to www.jamiescrimger.com forward slash membership, and I'll see you in there.